Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. We are so glad you joined us today. This podcast features messages, interviews, and discussions from Radiant Church located in Seneca, South Carolina. For more information about Radiant, visit RadiantChurchSC.com. Here's today's episode. All right. Hey, we're in the third week of, uh, of our series called Legacy, and uh, we're focusing on, on leaving behind a spiritual legacy that impacts people uh, for all of eternity. And so, you know, we, we believe it's important to, to, to make a difference, man, to make a difference and, and make a difference that goes beyond just your life, but into, into generations beyond you. And so, you know, here at Radiant Church, the idea of leaving behind a legacy or an impact, it really extends uh, to, to, to our four steps. We believe that every person uh, should, should walk four steps on their spiritual journey. It's our hope and our goal to, to get you on the journey doing these things. And the very first step that we, we want to get folks on is, is to know God. That's our very first one. And that's salvation. We want you to know God above everything else. Know who the Lord is. Give your life over to him. Uh, salvation is so vitally important. If nothing else comes together on those four steps, that's the one that we want to make sure that every single single person takes. They know Christ as their Lord and Savior. But once you come to know God, um, hey man, he's going to set you free from some some things. There's some stuff in your life that God's got to get you free of. And so he begins to work inside of you and he begins to change you and mold you and shape you into who he's called you to be. And that happens in the context of both his spirit at work, changing you and shaping you, but also in the context of relationships. We believe, man, as you connect with people and as you grow with others, man, iron sharpens iron. Proverbs tells us that as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And so what happens is I'm with people, they're helping me grow. They're pushing me, they're holding me accountable. I'm learning from their experiences, they're learning from my experiences. And and, and we do that in the context of groups here at Radiant Church. And we always encourage folks to be a part of a group. Because when you're in a group, man, you can know people and be known by others as well. And that can help you grow in your walk with the Lord. And then, you know, once that happens, you've taken those two steps there, we believe there's a purpose that God has for your life. Every person's created on purpose uh, for a purpose. So we want you to discover what your purpose is. When you discover your why, why you're here, why God has gifted you the way that he has, why he's placed people in your lives the way that he has, you know, you're not here by accident. Your job is not by accident. The circle of friends you run with, it's not by accident. It's all by design, and God has a purpose for your life. Those, those, those people, those places, the situations you're in, oftentimes a line with the purpose that God has for you. So we want you to discover that purpose. And that leads to our fourth step, which is make a difference. Because once you know your purpose and your why, you're to use that to make a difference for all of eternity. And that's where leaving a legacy really comes into play, you know, because our, our ultimate purpose in this life on this earth is to make a difference for eternity. We can reach folks for the Lord and for God's kingdom. And as we make a difference, man, people's hearts and lives are changed forever. Everybody wants to be remembered. Everybody wants to leave behind a legacy that is impactful. But when you leave behind a spiritual legacy, which changes hearts and lives for all of eternity, that right there, that's kingdom work. And that can go beyond just one generation, two generations. That can go multiple generations. We want to make sure that we're doing the Lord's will and work in our lives. But here's the problem. The problem is that, you know, we were, by design, we're selfish individuals. I mean, people are not exactly the best, right? We don't always have the best tendencies. And we have a gravitational pull inward to be selfish. I don't need God. Like, I'm good. I got it on my own. Or maybe, like, I had God for a little bit, but I'm on my two feet now. 
now and, and I'm good. I can check out. I don't need your help or your help. I can do it all just fine by me, by myself. I'm good. And I don't think that's true. I think you need both God and other people in your life to help you along this journey. Psalm 112, 5 and 6 says this. Good comes to those who lend money generously and conduct their business freely. Such people will not be overcome by evil. Those who are righteous will be long remembered. So, well, who, who's good here? Well, who's good is God. God is good, and good comes to those who are generous. In other words, those who are righteous or godly are going to be the ones who are remembered, who are generous, whose work goes and extends beyond just this life here. They're the ones that leave behind a spiritual legacy. Proverbs 11.25 says, The generous will prosper, and those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. It's the generous who find favor and prosperity because they're the ones making a difference in the lives of other folks. But it's not just being generous individually. It's also being generous as a community, corporately. You know, here at Radiant Church, we want to be generous as, as a church. And so one of the things we do every year is we take up at the end of the year uh, something that's called our, our legacy offering. And, and our legacy offering, if, you, if you're new to Radiant Church, you've been coming for a little bit, but you're not aware of what this is. Uh, our legacy offering is our largest offering we, we take up during the year. We ask you on this day, hey, give above and beyond uh, on, on this offering. Why? It's our way of being generous with what God has given us. Now, the last couple years, it's, it's a lot of it's gone right back here to Radiant Church because we, we've had a lot of facility improvements we've had to make. We have a lot of projects we're still doing. Big shout out to our maintenance team. Those guys, they work hard on their own time uh, coming in, doing a couple things here and there to help the facilities continue to improve and get upgraded and be maintained. But but this year, we, we want to make sure that the legacy offering really goes back out because the design behind this and the purpose behind this is that we are generous in blessing are the people because the Lord has blessed us. And so the way we kind of disperse legacy offering funds, just to let you know real quick how we do that, we, we base everything off of three legacy lanes. Okay, legacy lanes. The first legacy lane is Radiant Church. That's, that's, that's the facilities, that's our groups, our Sunday morning dream team, which is our serve teams. It's, it's everything that happens right here. Okay? The second lane is next gen. It's like what's happening right now in the kids' budding with Candy Palooza as we're pouring into the next generation of kids. It's, it's our, our small group that we have for students that meets right now. It's our college students. We, we partner with Chi Alpha for a lot of our college uh, events. We had one just a couple weeks ago where we sponsored uh, with Chi Alpha a lunch after service for our college students. It's, it's, it's that group right there. It's next gen, okay? It encompasses from the nursery all the way through higher education to our college age kids. And then our third legacy lane is missions. And if you've been at Radiant Church any length of time, you know, man, we talk a lot about missions around here. It's a heart that we have. And we break missions down into, into three different groups. We have local missions like Our Daily Bread Soup Kitchen and Foothills Care Center. We have national missions, which encompasses things like church planting. Our friends, Story Church launched uh, back in September and started their church in Spartanburg. We're celebrating with those guys. Uh, it's, it's stuff like Free International, which fights human trafficking, not overseas, but right here in America. Uh, we, we have one of the highest human trafficking ports in the country in our own state. It's down in Charleston. And these guys go 
OM, and they help set folks free from human trafficking. And then it's also international. So international, we focus on missionaries who meet two criteria. One, I want you to be from South Carolina. If you're from South Carolina, I think we should get you where you need to go. If you're from our own backyard, let's take care of our own folks. I don't want you traveling all over the place to raise money. Let's help get you where you need to go. Two, uh, you're going to one of those hard-to-reach places. Not, not necessarily a place where we've had missions work for, for decades, but, but missions work that maybe hasn't happened. So, so next month, I can't tell you who they are because we record this and it goes online, but next month we'll have a, a missionary couple coming in and they're, they're working with Iranians trying to start the church in Iran. Well, we, we had one of our own from Radiant Church who's now in China. And we help us get that person where they needed to go to do missions work overseas. So we want to make sure that we help our folks get where they need to go. And that's, that's the three legacy lanes that we have here at Radiant Church that this offering goes to. And so I would encourage you now, if Radiant Church is your home church, this is where you call home, these are, these are your people, I'd encourage you, hey, begin praying today. Lord, uh, what would you have us do? What would you have us give? How can we be generous for this legacy offering that we're going to give back out here at the end of the year to other folks uh, we can bless and be generous with, okay? Now, obviously, all this talk of generosity, it does a couple of things. You start to think about generosity, and you begin to think about money, right? It, come, come, it comes right up to your mind. And you might be here today and say, man, pastor, like this is my first Sunday, my second Sunday, and you're talking about money. I hate that. I hate coming to church and hear about money. I thought this was a different kind of church. Like, red flags are probably going up. And uh, here, here's what I'll tell you with that. Like, I totally get that, because if that's you, I get it, right? I, I will tell you this, we don't talk about money very often at Radiant Church, but when we do, we don't shy away from it. Why? Because the Bible has so much to say about it. Scripture has so much to say about handling your resources and finances God's way that you shouldn't ignore it. I think it'd be bad discipleship to ignore that kind of thing. We need to embrace doing things God's way. But, but I'll tell you this, I know a lot of folks get scarred by it. They've had scandals they've been a part of in churches, or, or they, they've had pastors who share 20-minute mini-sermons before they give, you know, and, and, and I get all of that. Here's the thing at Radiant Church. Our first and foremost concern is that first step, but you know God, man. We want to preach Jesus. We want you to know Jesus. Why? Because we believe that everything else flows from that. If you know Jesus and your heart belongs to him, everything else will begin to fall in place, and you'll learn that other stuff later. It does you no good to know all kinds of scripture, to be able to quote scripture, to serve, to give, to do all the things a good little Christian should do, but your heart doesn't belong to the Lord. That does you no good, because you know what that gets you in eternity? Get you nothing. It doesn't get you in. The one thing that gets you in is having this relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the most important thing. And so we, we go there first. And all the other stuff we take care of later. Right? We want to make sure that we do that. But I'll also let you know too, just, just to make you feel a little bit better, every month we, we take our financial statements and our reports and we run them by our trustees. We meet with these guys that are respected leaders in our church body. I meet with them every month. We also meet with our overseers. They get a report and statements as well. So we have a lot of checks and balances in place for an accountability here at Radiant Church. But again, our heart is that your heart will belong to the Lord. That your heart goes after Jesus because everything else begins to fall into place after that. So here's how I want to teach this today. I want to teach a 
about motivation. And what is our motivation for living a life of generosity? Because if you're going to be generous, that's how you leave a spiritual legacy. You can't leave a spiritual legacy and not be generous with time, gifts, talents, treasure, right? So how, what's our motivation for being generous? And to do that, I want to take you to the very first book of the Bible. We're going to go all the way to Genesis, okay? Genesis. And in Genesis, you have the story of, of the first two people that God creates, Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve have a lot of kids, and, and two of those kids are named specifically very early on in Genesis. Their names are Cain and Abel. And Genesis 4, chapter 2 starts like this. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd, while Cain cultivated the ground. And when it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Now, I notice the author says he, he presented some. I'm going to come back to that because that's pretty important. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. So already you can see the dichotomy here. Cain brought some, Abel brings the best. You see how it's playing out. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift. He did not accept Cain and his gift. And this made Cain very angry and he looked dejected. Now, a lot of people incorrectly teach this because they'll say, well, you know, God rejects Cain's offering because it was fruits and veggies. Like, like God's like a carnivore. He's <laughs> like, give me meat. Like, you know, it's like, what? God rejects Cain's offering not because of fruits and veggies. And we know that because if you take the time to read through Leviticus and don't fall asleep doing it, it's a hard book to read. But if you read it, You'll, you'll discover a few things. One, God commands his people to bring the first of their, of their crops, the first harvest, the first crops. You bring it to the Lord. So God's okay with that. Two, uh, hey, there's grain offerings and there's wine offerings. There's all kinds of offerings that have their roots in an agricultural environment and setting that God wants to, wants to receive. So it's got nothing to do with fruits and veggies. It has everything to do with heart and motivation. Cain brought leftovers to a holy God. And you don't bring leftovers to a holy God. Cain brought some of his crops and his harvest to the Lord. What does Abel do? I mean, Abel is totally different. Abel brings the first and he brings the best of his lambs to God. So how it probably played out, though we can't prove it because we don't know, but how it probably played out was this. Whatever he used to be the first, whether it's the year, season, I don't know, whatever he designated as the first of his lambs being born, he gets them together and he inspects them. Okay, which one has a blemish? That one there, that one's leg's a little crooked. That one's got a, that one's got a Clemson tiger paw. We don't want that one. Like, you know, it's like, what, what, what's, what, where, where are we at? And he finds, he finds a perfect lamb. And so Abel's like, that's the kind of lamb you put in a stud that you get a quality uh, flock from. That's the one. That's the first, and it's the best, and it goes to God. And so he gave that lamb to the Lord. And so what does God do? God finds that pleasing because Abel gave the first and the best to the Lord. His heart was all in. His motivation was, I'm going to be generous and to worship and honor God with the best that I have to offer. He was wholly devoted to the Lord. Cain, who could make the argument, was really kind of halfway in. You know, almost like he's obligated. Well, I mean, I guess I gotta do it because he's doing it. You know, mom and dad said I gotta do it, whatever. And so I'll, I'll bring some of what I got to God. He'll be happy and I can, I can just kind of move on. Like you almost get the feeling that's kind of what Cain's doing. And so God rejects his offering because his heart's not in it. His heart's not all in. The motivation isn't there. Can I tell you that God wants your heart and he wants all of your heart. He wants everything. 
every bit of you. He doesn't want a half or a third or a fourth. He wants everything. And for God, he would much rather have you on fire and passionate and devoted to him and maybe can put together a little prayer. You might know one verse. Who cares? If your heart belongs to God, that's what he wants. Oftentimes we get it backwards because we're more impressed with the guy who can quote the entire book of James by memory. Isn't that really cool? And that's cool if his heart's right with the Lord, but if his heart's not right, it doesn't do you much, right? Cain was not all the way in. It's like being married. And you go up to your spouse, you're like, baby, I am so faithful to you. Let me just tell you how faithful I am. I, mean, I, I say no to all kinds of stuff. And, and I know that we don't sleep together and we don't share the same bed anymore. And I know we don't do date nights and we don't have any role. I know we don't do that kind of stuff, but I've never cheated on you. I'm faithful to the core, baby. I'm faithful because I said I do and I've kept my promise and I'm faithful. Now, I don't know about you, but when I married my wife, I was not looking for a roommate, right? I wasn't looking for just a friend. There, there, there's not a lot of passion there. Wouldn't you rather your spouse stay faithful, not because they said I do, not because they followed all the right things? Wouldn't you rather your spouse, man, you share the same bed, they can't keep their hands off of you, man, it's all passionate, it's all great. Hey, wouldn't you rather your spouse be faithful because their heart desires you, because their passion is there, because they want you and they're with you? Wouldn't you rather your spouse be faithful because they desire you and nobody else? That's a marriage that's healthy and passionate and, 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 and where it should be. As opposed to a marriage where you have two people who are roommates hanging out each week. And I think if we're not careful, our relationship with God can be like that. Where we are just doing the things that God is asking us to do, saying, Lord, you should be impressed. I'm, I'm checking this off and this off and this off right here. Almost like we're obligated. I serve, I give, I do these things. Not because I have a passion, desire to do it, but because I'm supposed to do it. I, I think God accepts and honors the heart more than the act. I want to take you to the book of Philippians. Paul wrote this letter, and he says this. Dear friends, you've always followed my instructions when I was with you. Now that I'm away, it's even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. There is a place for obedience, for sure. And we should always follow and obey the Lord. But the motivation behind that should be heart. It should be our desire and our passion that flows to the Lord. Now, how do we get that? Well, in part, we get that because in our walk with God, the Holy Spirit gives us this desire to do what is pleasing. And so as I grow in my faith, my love for God grows, and gradually, you know, I, I align with him. When Jesus says, ask anything in my name, it'll be given to you, it's not like he's Santa Claus or a genie. I'll ask for whatever I want, yeah, and you can, and you, I can have it, absolutely. I want a million dollars, where is it at? Like, is this not how that works? What he's talking about is that as you grow in your faith and as your heart becomes closer to connected with the Lord, your will begins to align with the will of God so that what you ask for is actually what God desires for you. And when they come into alignment, then what you're asking for is God's will and it's given. That is what he's speaking to. Now, we have a different understanding in our culture here in America about what that is all about. But he's talking about your heart growing into alignment with where he is. 
And as it happens, man, you, you can do what pleases the Lord. And so our motivation is not to do things because God said to do it. It's not because, hey, I want my get out of hell free card. It's not because of that. It's because we get to do these things. I get to do this, right? I get to serve. I get to give. I get to love. I get to minister. I get to. That is the attitude. It's the difference between living under the law and living under grace. Grace is all internal. It's the heart. Law is external. It's all about what people can see and what's on the outside. Grace is all about, you know, know, living with I I get to type attitudes. The law is I have to do it. I'm told to do it. If serving the Lord is a burden to you, if if giving is a burden to you, if doing what God's asked is a burden to you, then I would argue to you today that you're not living under grace. You're living under obligation or law, religion, not relationship. And so I want to show you how this idea of living under grace, grace giving, generosity, how this works. Paul is writing to the Corinthian church and, and he's asking for an offering to help. He's like, hey, I've gone all throughout the Roman Empire, planted you churches, right? And now the Jerusalem church, where it all started, they're suffering. There's a severe famine happening. And, and let's help these guys out. And so he's, he's running for, really, collection. And so he writes to the Corinthians in chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. He says this, I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that what God, his kindness, has done to the churches in Macedonia, they're being tested by many troubles, and they're very poor. But they're also filled with abundant joy, which is overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. They did it of their own free will. And they begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. And they even did more than we had hoped, for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. How in the world does that make sense? How do the Macedonians give more though they're poor? Well, the Macedonians had this, like, we get to attitude. And I know many folks grew up in churches, if you, if you grew up in church, where you were just chastised, man, because you didn't give, you didn't serve, you didn't attend enough, whatever it was. Uh, I, I'll say this, I think engagement's important. I, I, the longer we go down this path of uncertainty in, in our world right now, where things are heading, I think it's more important than ever to be engaged and a part of, of a church community, for sure. Um, but I will tell you this, like at Radiant Church, we don't do legalism, so I'm not knocking on your door because you missed a Sunday. I'm not going to do that. Life happens. I get it. You're traveling. You got things happening. Uh, you, you might be in a season where there's a lot in your plate. Okay, fine. I get. I get. I get that. Now, if you miss an awful lot, we're going to check in on you. Hey, we missed you. Just checking in. Like we're not. We don't forget about you. It's just we're not going to be very legalistic about everything. But here's the thing, we, we want you to serve and to give and to engage to be a part of Radiant Church because this is your church. These are your people. These are the folks, these are your ride or die folks right here that I'm with. And it's that we get to, we get to do this together. We get to be a part of this together. That is what we want ingrained in you. We want that desire to be there for you, to do life together. And the Macedonians had that. They had this desire to do life together because they put God first. They said, Lord, we'll give ourselves over to you first, and then we'll give ourselves over to everybody else. Now look at what Paul says in verse number six. He goes, we've urged Titus, who encouraged your giving in the first place, to return to you, now he's talking to the Corinthians, okay, to return to you and encourage you to finish the ministry of giving. 
since you excel in so many ways in your faith, your gift of speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love for us, I want you to excel also in the gracious act of giving. There is an important ministry of giving that Paul's talking about here. We don't think about this. It's, it's almost taboo nowadays, almost politically incorrect to think about that. But the truth is, as he lays out right here, a ministry, a gift of giving is important. You need people who are just generous and they give. And it's not all financial. It can be. But it's time and treasure and talent. It's, it's, it's knowledge. It's giving. Like, where are you at in your giving? Are you giving? Do you have that gift? Because I'm not commanding you to do this. I'm not telling you you have to do this, he says, right? But I'm testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of other churches. Because you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes, he became poor. This harkens back to what he wrote earlier in Philippians, where Christ left his throne in heaven and emptied himself of his divine qualities. He became one of us. So that by his poverty, what could, what could Christ do? He could make you rich. He's saying Macedonia, they did pretty good. And man, now it's your turn, Corinth. Are you guys practicing what you preach? Are you sincere in your love? Verse number 10, here's my advice. It'd be good for you to finish what you started a year ago. Last year, you were the first who wanted to give, and you were the first to begin doing it. And now you should finish what you started. Let your eagerness or your willingness that you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving. Give in proportion to what you have. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly or we might say willingly. And give according to what you have, not what you don't have. So how do, how do we do this? How do we live a generous life? How do we live in this grace-giving kind of mindset? and live with the generosity the early church had? Well, well, we do it by a couple of ways. Here's the first step. The grace giving, it begins when we are grateful and not guilty. When you're grateful, not guilty. We're in a culture which loves to pile on guilt right now, okay? There's no redemption. I mean, none. If you mess up in this world today, you cannot escape your punishment. does not matter how much money you give away, doesn't matter how many forgiveness letters you write, doesn't matter how much penance you commit, if you mess up and the culture sees it, they will forever hold it over your head because there's no redemption in our world anymore. None. No one ever forgets what you do. No one ever moves on from it. They always hold it over your head. I think that's one of the great ways we can stand out as followers of Christ today by forgiving people and, and, and having redemption because it's just not found anywhere else any longer. That includes your view on, on finances for sure. Like in our culture, we want people who have, who have any kind of money, man, to feel bad about it. It's like, hey, you know, you're, 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 you're filthy rich. You don't deserve that. You should pay your fair share. You should, you know, whatever it is you want to you say. Some folks think if you don't give everything away, you're not doing it right. You should give it all away. And then people do give it all away, and they find out they're still pariahs. Because, again, there's no redemption in our culture. Nothing you could do could ever get you off the hook. Scripture talks a lot about God giving you know, resources and finances to some and not to others. It's just what God does. But whenever there's financial blessing given, the expectation is that you live a life of generosity because God's design is to give you more so that you might bless more. The Bible celebrates that. 
First Chronicles 20. Then David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly. O oh Lord, the God of our ancestor Israel, may you be praised forever and ever. Yours, O oh Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Everything in the heavens and on the earth is yours. O oh Lord, this is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all things. Wealth and honor, look at this, come from where? Wealth and honor come from you alone, right? It comes from the Lord. For you rule over everything. Power and might are in your hand. At your discretion, people are made great and given strength. Oh, our God, we give you, uh, we thank you and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we can give anything to you? Everything we have has come from you. And we give you only what you first gave us. That last line. If you're one of those people who highlights and underlines and note takes, that's a good one right there. Everything we have comes from you. And we give you only what you first gave us. Wealth and honor come from the Lord who blesses us. And we give thanks to God. And we do it with generosity because everything comes from the Lord. Everything we give comes from him anyway. You ever thought about that? Like God owns it all. God owns your house. God owns your car. God owns your job. God, God owns everything. You only have it because God gave it to you in the first place. I have my kids because God blessed me with my kids. They belong to the Lord first. Everything I have belongs to him. And he said, well, pastor, I, I, just, I don't have enough to, to, to be generous. I just, really, I just don't know where I can start with that. Well, last week we had this teaching on generosity. We, we talked about defeating the scarcity mindset. I'd encourage you to go back and, and watch and listen to that teaching we had last week. God can use whatever you have. Everybody in this room is in the top 1% globally. I don't, we don't think about that. But most of the world lives on less than a dollar and a half a day. We all make more than that, right? Like, we are in a position where we're at to where, hey, God has been good to us and God has blessed us, and, and, and what should our response be? That we're generous to others as well, right? We, we have the potential to be incredibly generous as individuals, as a church, because God has blessed us so much. And the, the motivation for that is we want to be generous because we serve a generous God, right? Everything we have comes from him. And without him, we don't have anything. So greatest giving begins when we're grateful, not guilty, but also begins when we love people the way that God does. We love people the way that God does. Don't think of you know, projects when they're brought to you. Think of people. You know, we, we have an opportunity to make a difference in the lives this, this year in some folks in our community. This, every Christmas we do something a little bit different. With, with, with last year we, uh, we, we, we helped out the children's home. I think the year before that we, did, we did, had, a, had a giving tree with gift cards for uh, benevolence for folks. This, this Christmas we're going to do... Uh, we're we're going to bless single moms and moms who, who are struggling. Foothills Care Center, I, 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 we, we, we partner with them, we give to them, and I, I, I'm bombarded all the time. We don't have enough of this, enough of that. What would it be like if we just dropped off before Christmas a whole year's supply of diapers to these guys? Like, hey, here we go. Don't ask for diapers anymore. We got all of them right here. I <laughs> got enough. We're, we're going to take the chance this year, the opportunity, 
to bless those moms in our community. We're going to collect diapers. If you got clothes that your kids aren't wearing anymore, um, you know, I know you could sell them, but instead of selling them, maybe just say, you know what, they're, they're pretty gently used. Why don't I give them to a mom who, who, who will need them? Uh, you know, hey, if you have a car seat, it can't be expired. It's got to be new. But maybe you're like that generous. Drop it off. We want to do everything we can to collect things and bless the Foothills Care Center this Christmas. You know, I, I, here's the thing. Ro, Roe v. Wade got overturned, and, and people were all excited. Now, I, I, I make no mistake about it. I'm, I'm very pro-life. I have scriptural reasons for that. Okay? And, and, and so we're, we, I just, I'm very public about that. But a lot of Christians got excited when Roe v. Wade went back to the States. And they kind of stopped. And I'm like, no, you can't stop. What are you going to do about it? How about we care for folks who find themselves in that predicament? They didn't plan for it, whatever. Okay, fine. What can we do to help you out? Because obviously we're gonna, you got to have that baby. In South Carolina anyway, you got to have that baby. So what are we going to do? Why don't we step up as a church and, and, and show, hey, we do love and care about you. We're going to help you out. Diapers, clothes, whatever it is, we're going to help you out with what you need because that baby's important. Because you are important and because you matter as a mob. Why don't we do that? And so we have that opportunity. And, 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 and it hit me, and I'm going to take a risk even putting this out there, but I, I, I'm just going to do it anyway. Because maybe God will click something in your heart. It might be one of you or two of you out there that's like, man, I, I can do this and run with it, Pastor. What would it look like next year to love on all these single moms in our community? And having a baby shower for single moms, man, who don't have the things that, that they need. Hey, Radiant Church, we love and care about you. It's not about coming to our church, being part of our church. We just want you to know God loves you. We love you. Here you go. And bless folks next year with things that they need. Just something to think about. Why? Because it's about loving people. The way that God loves people. Generosity in action. You want to know what it looks like in the early church? Acts chapter 2, verse 44. All the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions. They shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. And they shared meals of great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and the goodwill of the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So look at one more. Verse, verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 32. All the believers were united in heart and mind. They felt what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything they had. And the apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. What are they doing? They're, they're preaching. They're teaching about Jesus in this context, okay? And the Lord's blessing was upon them. And there were no needy people among them. Because those who own land or houses would sell them, bring the money to the apostles, and give to those in need. We love people as God does, and we're generous, you know, with our lives. We, we meet needs, right? I'm fully convinced of this, that if the, the global body of Christ, so Christians all around the world, if we live this principle out together, I, I believe you wouldn't have a need for a government program. You know why? The church would take care of the needs. Why? Because that's what the church has been good at. The church in the centuries past, you may not have known this because they don't teach this anymore, but, but in centuries past, it was the church who started universities. All your great universities in the West, in Europe, in America, they were seminaries. You know, it was the church who taught folks to read and write. It was the church who built medical systems. Nearly every medical system in this country that is, that is magnet status, which magnet status means your upper tier, 
has its roots in somebody who was a follower of Christ, a group of folks who were followers of Christ who said, yes, we're going to meet needs, and they started this, this medical center, which became a system. It may not look like that today, but that's how it was started. Christians in centuries past would take in the orphans and the hurting and the sick, and they, they were the ones that cared for society. Now, I'm not saying we should be everything to everybody, because we can't be. It was the body of Christ together. Multiple cities, multiple churches, multiple regions who came together and did these things. And my point behind this is that generosity must be a part of us. It must be a part of our DNA at Radiant Church. It must be a part of who we are as Christians. We must be generous. We must have generosity flowing through us because we serve a generous God. Last one. Grace giving starts when we fall in love with Jesus. Grace happens when you're in love with the one who loved you first. Christmas is coming and, and you know, readier or not. <laughs> I started Christmas, I told Shane the other day, I said, I hate October. I mean, I love October, but I hate October too because this is when my bank account begins to kind of do this because we start doing Christmas shopping in October. So I, we always pay more, right? It's coming. And, and Christmas, we recognize humanity is the recipient of God's generosity. Psalm 116.12, what can I offer the Lord for all he's done for me? God sent his son, Jesus. Cost us absolutely nothing to say yes to Christ. It cost him everything, but it cost us nothing. How can we repay God for what he's done for us? Well, we, we can love him back. By loving what he loves this is a great start right there right you say oh pastor i'm kind of having a hard time with that one you know like i'm <laughs> it's pretty easy for you but kind of hard for me can i just be honest with you it's not very easy for me i'm i'm a i'm a person just like you are and i struggle i a lot of your tough questions you're like asking about god uh, i struggle with them just like you do there's a lot of answers i won't know this side of heaven and people are sometimes a daggum pain in the neck. And we got to love them. And I'm not Mother Teresa. I have my moments. How do we do it? Well, Dr. John Bonnell has a great quote. He says this, if, I first, if one first gives himself to the Lord, um, then everything else comes easy. All the giving becomes easy. I can tell you this, if, if we give ourselves to God first and we make that a habit every day, I get up in the morning, Lord, I'm yours. God, I'm yours. What can you do through me? What can, how can you use me? Lord, my life does not belong to me, it belongs to you. If I can do that every morning, then I'm opening myself up for God using me. Who can God use me? Or what can God do through me to touch somebody that I'm going to come across today? You know, a radiant church will never ask you to do something out of obligation because you want your desire to be for Christ. Prayer, serving, giving, it all comes out of a love for Jesus. And it's like, hey, great. I get it. Love like Jesus. Fantastic. Um, but I don't have the passion to give and serve right now, pastor. So, I mean, where do I even start with that? How, how, how do I make that happen? What's my first step with this? Let me take you to one more verse this morning. Matthew 6, 21. These are the words of Jesus. He says this. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. This verse is not about putting your money where you want it to go. I know it's often taught that way, but it's not about that. 
it's not about put it with a nonprofit or a church or a place of value. It actually teaches something a little bit different. It teaches this. If you love something, if you value something, you will give to it. If you value something, you will give financially, you will give with your time, you will give with your talent, you will give with your network, you will give with your heart, you will give everything you have to something you're passionate about. And we do this all the time. You know how I know that? Because some of you are in the room and you're walking around like zombies a little bit because you gave a lot of time watching your team lose last night, right? I, I lost my team lose too. We give time to do that. We give money to see certain things happen that we hope will happen, even if it's out of our hands. Whatever you value, you will give to. See, the reason that happens is because it's generosity which leads, and it's your heart which then follows. Z, come on up, buddy. If you don't have a love for missions, I, got, I get missions as important, Pastor. I just don't have a love for it. You know what you should do? Go on a missions trip. Go on a missions trip. It'll change your whole experience. Or, hey, we have a missionary couple coming in in just a few weeks. Talk to them. Get to know them. Ask them good questions. Take a prayer card. And every day, pull that prayer card out as you're doing your time with the prayer. Lord, bless this couple. Bless what they're doing. Keep your hand on them. Just, just, just bless these guys. Keep them in your prayers. Hey, even, maybe even give a little bit to what they're doing. Why? Because generosity leads and your heart follows. And I guarantee you that if you give whatever that might be, however that might be, it'll change your heart. So the question you have to answer this morning is, well, where, where, where do you want your heart? Where do you want it to be at? Uh, I, I want to be generous. Just speaking for me, I, I want to be generous. I want to be generous with my knowledge. It's one of the reasons why I do a group. I don't have to do a group. I, I do it because I've got a lot of knowledge. I think sometimes it's useless knowledge, to be honest with you. I'm, I love history. History doesn't save us when the world ends, but you know, I got it. But I got it. I want to share it. I think we can learn from lessons about history. And so right now, we're in a church history small group because we can learn some lessons about where we came from, what were important times. I, I, I'm sharing knowledge. I, I've got skills. So I want to put those to work. I, I've got finances, so I give. Hey, I, I've got time. So much time goes into not just the message. It goes into trying to help plan and get things ready for something like, like today where we have Candy Palooza and we have a chili cook-off and you know, just all, all kinds of things. Not even church-related. Some of it is, is other pastors in our state who will call me up and they'll say, Pastor, I've got this question. It's happening in my church. Hey, I'm wanting to start a church. What's that process look like? Hey, my, my week just, to be honest, just kind of is awful. And I, I just need someone to talk to. And I don't have time for any of that. And yet, 
I, I, I remember this principle of generosity. Like, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make time because if I make time, I believe God redeems that time and God will bless me back again later. And so I make time. I want to be generous with what I have. What is it that, that you can be generous for? I want to love how God loves. I want to live a life of gratitude, not guilt. And, and I, I, I want to be all in. And so where is your heart this morning? Are you all in? Does God have your heart? All of it, not a third of it, not half of it. Does God have all of it, right? Where can you be generous at? I have no idea what God's ultimate plans are for this, this little church called Radiant Church that is now three years old. I don't know what the plans are, but I know this. We will live in God's abundance because we're going to have an abundant mindset and not one of scarcity. We will be generous with what we have. We will be grateful for what we have. We will love people always for who they are and asking God to change those areas of their lives which need to be changed because it's not up to us, it's up to Him. We will fall more in love with Christ each and every day as a church. Why? Because grace giving does not start with a dollar amount. If there's anything you take away from this teaching today, I hope to goodness it's this, that everything starts right here. Where is your heart? Where is it at? Because wherever this is at, everything else will flow from it. Bow your heads, close your eyes for me if you would here this morning. Maybe you're here this morning and, and, and you would say, Pastor, you're talking about grace giving and being generous and you're talking about your heart. And if I'm honest today, my heart is probably not where it should be. I don't know if I'd use the term Christian because honestly, I don't think that probably describes where I'm at. But today's the day where I say, you know, I, I want my heart to belong to Jesus. I, I, I need to start there. So what do I do? Well, that's you in just a moment. I'm going to lead a prayer. You don't have to say it out loud if you don't want to. It really, really is up to you. But, but I'm going to model this prayer, and I want you to say it kind of in your own words from the heart. We're going to ask Christ to be our Savior but also our Lord. And then I'm going to come back and pray for those of us who are Christians, okay? So it's going to start like this. Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. And I realize that I've lived this life, and it's not measured up to your standards. It's not measured up to who you are, God. And uh, today I, I recognize that my heart doesn't actually belong to you. But today I want to change that. Today's the day I want to say yes. I want to go all in. I don't want you to have part of me. I want you to have all of me. Will you come into my life and change me? Will you save me from my sin and the wrongs that I've done? Will you give me this brand new, fresh start? Will my heart belong to you today? And I don't want to live for myself anymore. Because I've tried that, and it doesn't work out too well. So what I want to do going forward is I want to live for you. So will you be the Lord of my life? And I will do everything I can from this day forward to serve and follow you with everything I have. I don't want it to be about me. I want it to be all about you. Have my heart, have my life. 
lead me and guide me in Jesus, I'm, I'm going to commit myself to following you. Lord, for those who are believers today who are already Christians, perhaps they're here and they realize that they're not as generous as they could be. And that can be a whole host of different things, right? But they're feeling conviction from the Holy Spirit. Maybe their heart hasn't been kind of where it needs to be. Maybe they've just held back talent, time, treasure, whatever it might be. Lord, I pray that for those Christians who are feeling that conviction today, may they respond to it. Not ignore it, not put it off to the side, but respond and say, God, from this day forward, I'm giving you all of me. I've kind of held that part of me. I'm going to go all in. Hey, God, from this day forward, I, you know, I'm not giving yet, but I'm going to start giving because I'm going to have that, that generosity mindset. I'm not serving yet, but I'm going to start serving. I'm, I, I'm not using some talents that I have. I'm not leveraging some things that I have for your kingdom. And so today, I'm going to start doing that. Whatever it is, I pray, Lord, that, that the, they will respond to the conviction that your spirit brings, not because you're trying to guilt trip us, because, God, we're, we're trying to help us live the, the, the life you designed us to live the life you've created for us to live a better life and so I pray that we respond to that sharpening of your Holy Spirit we would respond to what it is you're doing inside of our hearts and our lives God I thank you for who you are for what you're going to do we pray, God, for your blessing to be upon each and every person that's here at Radiant Church. We ask all this in your mighty and precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or would like to reach out to us, you can do so by emailing us at media at radiantchurchsc.com or visit one of our social accounts on Facebook, Instagram, or if you like what you heard today, subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes and give us a five-star rating on the podcast platform that you listen to. We hope you have an amazing rest of your day.